Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. In this episode, Nick shows us his process that he has developed over the years for adding deeper, richer tones to previously stained items. Happy, happy Saturday, everybody. It is a beautiful day here in Minnesota once again. It is early July. It is phenomenal here. It's hot, it's humid, it's summer. I love this stuff. And we are in the Slavic shop today. We have a very special show. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, economics and business and things like that. Today, we're gonna do uh, something that's kind of like the highest order of the craft, like a very difficult process using very specific things uh, for a very specific finish. And uh, it's gonna be fun today to strap on the belt and get back to the craft for a little bit too. So um, first off, uh, this is the 319th episode of Ask a Painter Live, which means without me really realizing it, we passed the six year anniversary of this show <laughs> a little while ago. So every single week for six years, I have been broadcasting live without a miss. Um, and it's been one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. It's connected me with some of the most awesome, thoughtful, progressive, aggressive minds in the industry. And I absolutely love this. So for the Instagram people, we're gonna get to some shading and some toning and stuff today. For the Facebook people, like, follow, Ask a Painter Live. The kindest thing you could do right now is just share the show. Um, obviously, what we do, what we're all about is not for everybody, uh, but it is for the thoughtful, the 5% of our industry who, uh, who really wanna grow professional businesses, take care of their people, take care of their clients, and push the craft as far as we possibly can, uh, as far as that goes. And uh, with the ultimate goal of changing an industry that's very fragmented, very unprofessional, and uh, is kind of all over the place. So. Um, all right, fun show ahead of us here today, guys. We've got some business to take care of as usual. Um, I am going to be showing you my technique I've developed over the years for shading and toning cabinets, furniture, trim, things like that. And you guys know that this, I would never come before my master craftspeople, my business owners, and say that this is the only way, that this is the best way. My way, that my contribution to the industry is this is fast. This is simple, this is predictable, it's not gonna give you a bunch of weird stuff. If you have to do this, this is the best, simple, most straightforward offering, something that you can teach other people, something that's replicable, and something that you can depend on in the future here. So thanks everybody, I'm already seeing all the awesome uh, people saying good morning, thank you for that. The PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, arbiters, holders of the standard of the craft and of what a professionalized business is. Um, there are at least four, probably eight uh, events that I have circling around, four are confirmed, uh, eight total that are kind of in the final stages of like, where are we doing it, what are we doing, uh, things like that. I'll be traveling around the rest of the year giving my master's classes. And again, this is not the only way, it may not even be the best way, but it is direct data and feelings from my business, my people. I put it in an easily condensed package for you guys and then uh, talk together and we learn together. 
Um, the next one I'll be doing uh, is in Denver, uh, which is going to be awesome. Uh, Doug Imhoff, close friend in the industry. We're going to his shop, and uh, he's a super thoughtful guy. I like him a whole lot. Uh, and then we're going to be going to the surf prep facility later on to see uh, the Ferias, uh, the awesome family there, the owner of surf prep. We're going to be going to the Kuipers in Tennessee, Harpeth Painting, some of my greatest people, greatest friends in the industry. We're going to be all over the place doing this. There'll be a link in this show if you guys want to join me. Also, really cool stuff happening with the PCA, which is uh, we have industry standards that are free. Uh, if you're a member, we have overdrive. We have health insurance for you, uh, discounted health insurance for you and your entire company. Uh, we have world-class painters training, which is a series of videos uh, with a learning management system that if you pay your $400 membership fee uh, to the PCA for a year, you can train 100 employees in your company. It's the most amazing thing ever. It's got videos. It's got native Spanish-speaking versions of everything with Spanish craftspeople in it. Uh, a learning management system, quizzes, and a progression through there for your people. It's a really awesome thing. Now, what we have not released yet, which is coming, uh, which we just had a call this last week on, is our business accelerator program, which is basically painter training, but for business owners, business owner training, where we take people like Jason Paris, myself, other subject matter experts, SMEs in the industry, and we basically guide you through professionalizing your business. So like we always say, Learning how to paint is one thing, learning how to run a business is the other. We gotta do both in order to make sure that this thing is profitable, that it's long lasting, that we have the opportunity to, to bring new people in to a professionalized business, perfect the craft and move on. So um, with that, let's get the show on the road here. This is going to be awesome. So this is a very tricky technique that we're gonna do today. Um, my friends at Midwax, uh, which you guys know and love, uh, they asked me again to be like, hey, uh, this is a thing that we get a lot of questions about, shading and toning and restaining previously stained stuff. And uh, lucky for them, over the last decade, I have been using their products to do this anyway. Because remember, there are millions of different stains, millions of different tones, millions of different finishes, combinations, interior, exterior, uh, all that sort of stuff. When I do a process, I want it to be replicable, I want it to be simple, I want it to be transferable, I want it to be teachable. So that means we have to have readily available products, and there's no more readily available products than Minwax. You can get them, uh, you know, I get all mine through the Sherwin-Williams, but they are everywhere, and they've been a staple in the industry. So there are stain colors that I used 10, 20 years ago as just a, a young pup in the industry. Stain colors are still there and still the standard. So 20 years later, you can still get a walnut colored stain and it's gonna be very similar to what you did 20 years ago. So I like that continuity and things like that. So I'm gonna basically show you my process, my simple process I've developed over the years for shading and toning. Now, some things we need to know. I, I tell you what, we're gonna go through, see if I missed any, do, 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 do. Oh, good morning, everybody. And as always, guys, I'm gonna be hanging out for a few minutes this morning. Uh, I got a little coffee with me too. So if uh, you guys have any questions about anything, job costing, the life of a business owner, oil primer, shading and toning, uh, employee stuff, business running, whatever else, I'll be here to answer any of that after we do our shading and toning stuff here. So just see if we got everybody. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Michael. Phil Klein. Let's see if I can expand your comment here, Phil. Shading and toning, perfect topic for today. That's exactly what I've been working on this week. Uh, working on fixing a kitchen uh, up in Chicago. Phil Klein in Chicago. Phil's, uh, Phil's from Iowa. He escaped Iowa, went to the big city in Chicago. I would love to see some pictures or stuff like that. Also, Phil, I would love to hear about your technique for doing that as well, too, because this technique is a general technique that can be applied to almost everything, 
But if a client gives you a specific finish, you're probably going to need to change the technique, the coating or something else. So I'd be really curious to see how you ended up doing it. So Danilo, good morning, my friend. Bono, uh, excuse me, Bonjia. <laughs> That's good morning. I love it. Ron, good morning. Mark, good morning, everybody. Jim Callahan, past apprentice, master music teacher and good friend. Uh, Jim Callahan, good to see you, man. Uh, Solomon, hello, Nick, here in Florida. Uh, Solomon, I will be coming to Florida. I'm actually working on, this is gonna be a really cool event. Sorry guys, and we actually will get to like shading and toning. 96% um, certain uh, that I will be coming to a soccer stadium in Florida. There will be a private suite, a private event area where we're gonna do a master's class. And then there will be a soccer game right after. And I'm thinking about bringing my family down, getting an Airbnb and doing that. Cause as you guys know, following along, little surfer boy, my little blonde haired fella. Uh, he's a big soccer fan, so we may be there. Uh, this is going to be in the Fort, Lauder, the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. So more information to follow on that, follow the links on the show for any of that stuff. Uh, using some stuff here. Okay, now things you need to know about shading and toning. This is a very tricky process. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, it's just like painting a wall. Throw a couple coats on, move it on, you can touch up, you can do this and that. This takes some technique and it takes some skill and it takes thoughtfulness. This is not a finish that you can touch up. You, it's variable as well too. Um, this is a very tricky thing to convey to your clients because it's not as simple as take a sprayer and spray some of this on and change the color. There are so many variables in there. So it takes a lot of testing procedures. And I'm gonna show you how I kind of test and dial in here. Now, the most typical, the most typical version of this, uh, the request is kind of like this. We have golden oak cabinets a stool as a stand in here. We have golden oak trim and we want it to be something else. Walnut, mahogany, ebony, cherry, something like that. And then basically what I do is I start off with uh, two basic options for products. Uh, poly shades uh, and then gel stain uh, for Minwax. Poly shades is kind of like a, think of it as polyurethane and finish, a little bit thinner, diluted. It's almost more of like a polyurethane with some tint in it. Um, gel stain is like a stain with a little bit of finish in it too. So how I think about these products, uh, and also they have a designer series, uh, a, a decorative series of stuff too, like a color wash that you can do too. Same technique, but this will give you kind of that weathered look uh, like that. The most common uh, requests I get though are, I want golden oak turned into walnut or something else like that. So the way I think of these are if they want a light shade bump, I use like a poly shades. Uh, if they want a deeper, richer one, then I go to gel stain. Gel stain is much more richly pigmented. Downside of this though, is that it's very thick. And so you have to actually dilute it a little bit with some mineral spirits or paint thinner in order to get it to go through a gun. So I start off with that way where um, when a client says, hey, we got, we got a golden oak bar stool and we wanna turn it something a little bit darker, something a little bit warmer, I, I always start the entire process off with, show me a picture because I will create a sample for you based on that picture and they have to sign off on a sample. Um, uh, they have to sign off a sample before we actually do that there. So, um, and then we basically, I go down kind of the decision tree of if it's a light bump, I'm gonna, I'm gonna demonstrate the light bump. In the past I've done a dark bump, which is pushing it very dark, very rich, very quick. Uh, but I've not done one of these on camera or live before. So we're gonna do a light bump today. And this color happens to be Tudor, which is a very dark kind of rich stain color. Um, but yeah, this will just be a light bump here today. Um, this actually took no thinning to run through the gun. So the benefit of this one is it's kind of right out of the can, ready to go. Uh, with the gel stain, you do have to amend it a little bit. You're gonna have to put a little bit of paint thinner in there to get it done. But again, like I said, light bump, dark bump, this will get you about, uh, 
if you use the same color, give or take, of both of these, like let's say you get Tudor Brown, Tudor Brown, or Walnut and Walnut, one shade will give you kind of like, one coat of this will kind of, let's just call it like one shade darker. One coat of this will get you somewhere between four and eight shades darker, like that, so it goes very quickly. A couple things you need to know about this. Um, you cannot use an airless sprayer for this, or I've not found a successful way to do that. The air is too mottled and it shows up kind of cloudy like this. You need uh, an HVLP. And uh, there's two different kinds of HVLP guns. Uh, some that you hook to a turbine and some that you hook to an air compressor. Uh, today, my favorite technique with this, and I've developed this over the years, is to use an air compressor, standard uh, air, uh, standard air compression, uh, and then a cup gun. And we'll get into that a little bit later here. HVLPs, the, the kinds with the turbines, are wonderful units, but to me, they don't have enough horsepower for this. The general idea I want is I want tons and tons of air, a little bit of stain, because you're shading like this. And if you apply this stuff too much, I mean, these are previously finished uh, pieces of furniture, so you're already going over wood finish. This is not something I typically do over bare wood. I would just spray a penetrating stain at that. So now if you over apply, there's really nowhere for this stuff to penetrate, and it'll actually start sagging and running off. And I can even show you a demonstration there uh, if we have time today. Uh, so what you kind of have to do is, I go super high air volume, super low stain, and a cool little side effect is that, is when you blast a bunch of air in stain and atomize it and then shoot it over about you know 8 to 12 inches like that, it's already sort of drying and it becomes sticky, which it'll stick to the uh, wood like that too. So when you already have some finish in here as well, that's what, that's what sort of allows you to shade things. Now, if you just take a Minwax penetrating stain and spray it over here, it's too loose and it takes too long to dry. It's basically not gonna form a good sort of finish. It may even run and sag a little bit, but that's not what, excuse me, that's not what it's for. The, I've always shaded and toned with stain that's got a little bit of finish in it, like gel, gel stain, or finish that's got a little bit of stain in it, because the finish is already sort of making it come together and then protects the pigment particles in there. Another side note here is going to be, I'm not gonna lie to you, these finishes can be problematic sometimes. It takes a lot of skill, a lot of thought to put these things on. The downside of this type of finish, and this is something we're very upfront and, and, and honest with our clients, is that when you mix pigment and stain and finish, the finish becomes less durable than it normally would with just finish. Oh, hold on one second. Hey, how's it going? Just doing an Ask Painter Live, man. Just checking in who's here. So you do your thing. That's a craft person of the year, Fresh Alex here, stopping into the shop this morning. So, all right. So like I was saying, the finish becomes a little more brittle than it normally would, than just a straight polyurethane. So what you have to do with a finish like this is you have to warn your clients that if you have golden old cabinets like this and you spray on either a, a diluted gel stain or a poly shades like this, if you get a chip, you chip through the finish. This is not one of those things where there's a penetrating stain and then finish to protect it, and if the finish chips, the penetrating stain's still there. You have to brief them that, especially around those door handles and things like that, if you have one of those big, chunky decorative rings with a lot of metal on it, and you wedge that ring behind that, um, um, that handhold, that, that pull on a cabinet, you're probably gonna chip it, and that's not a great thing. It is what it is. Unless you sand these things down to bare wood, that's what you're gonna get. But you can put uh, either your poly shades or your gel stain on, and then you can top it with either polyurethane or oil varnish, and that will give you that protective layer. But you just have to understand that that's part of this. And whenever you take a finish, a polyurethane, 
and then you add a bunch of pigmented stain to it, it does make it a different thing. It's not quite as durable as a standard polyurethane or varnish. You just have to know that it doesn't make it a bad coating, it just makes it a little bit less, and that's why we have to top it with something else. So I would go through a standard finishing process with that. So um, when you have a piece, and I thought you know a bar stool is kind of a, a simple digestible sort of project like this. Um, the process for doing something like this would be a light SVT, sand back and tap. Now, you don't want to sand so much that you start burning through edges and losing the golden oak stain because now you're going to have bare wood and light spots and then stuff with finish. And when you put this on, it'll penetrate into the bare wood and it's going to give you a different finish. So you have to be very careful to leave everything intact the way it is, but just lightly scuff it so that you have a good clean surface with a little bit of tooth so that the new finish can stick to it. Now, when it comes time to actually uh, finish stuff, you're gonna go through a sample process in your shop, and you're gonna tightly, tightly control what goes on. If you're just gonna use poly shades right out of the can, no dilution, I keep copious notes about this stuff. And a lot of the times, like I'll show you guys over here, I have my pull-down paper where we test our fan patterns. I'll actually write the dilution level and the formula on the side and do a test pattern just to kind of show what's there. And then I'll have a sample board where we'll step it off, where my goal, my goal with any time you shade or tone is to do one process. Now, that can be many like back and forth, cross-hatching, things like this, but the thing I'm trying to avoid is three, four, five processes of layering the stain. If you're not, if it's taking that long to get the stain darker, I typically will bump it to a gel stain to get you more coats. But I really, the process I want to do is achieve the stain color and level I want in one process. And that process can be, like I said, back and forth, up and down, cross-hatch. It can be too wet on wet, something like that but it has to be replicable and you have to keep notes on things like that. In the sample process in your shop, you're gonna find out what that takes to get there. Um, when it comes time to actually do it on site, this is the tricky part. If you do not have good spray equipment, if you do not have good technique, if you overlap inconsistently, every time you overlap, you're actually adding depth to the stain. So you're gonna actually get tire stripes and things like that. That's what makes this finish a tricky one to do, but a super satisfying one if you can do it well. So your, your spray pattern has to be dialed in. You have to have good spray equipment. You have to have a lot of high volume air and a lightly toning back and forth like that. Getting an even finish over a large surface is pretty tough. Skinny little surfaces like this, usually not a problem like that because it's kind of concentrated, things like that. But if you have, like I'm staring at our test kitchen over here, and there is a massive side of a refrigerator cabinet. And getting an even tone over something like that is, uh, takes a lot of technique. So I would urge you to not start on somebody's kitchen right away with this stuff. I would urge you to do a bunch of samples. Grab a dozen uh, golden oak cabinet doors that are gonna be thrown away or from another project and test them, get your process down before you go further. When they're dry, sand it, scratch it, do all sorts of stuff like that and, uh, and get it going. So uh, what we're gonna do here is I'll walk you through my process real quick. Uh, I will do, all right, let's flip this guy around. We have our stool right here. We have our, our standard pressure gun, our little cup gun there. We have our test, uh, test paper right here to test our stuff. Now, this guy right here is, <laughs> I've tried a lot of stuff. Uh, my, my friend Zach Kenny uses insanely expensive versions of this and they are wonderful to use. Um, we don't do this enough to invest like Zach Kenny does. So this is literally probably a 15 or $25 cup gun. 
that you can get from mail order, you can get from Harbor Freight, you can get from any kind of big box store. And they honestly work really, really well for what we do. So uh, because I whip around the uh, uh, the cup gun quite a bit, we have a cover, and I also have uh, it duct taped down as well too, because when, when we're spraying like this, I wanna make sure that there's no leaks and things like that. Uh, our air compressor, we have a big old Makita right here. Uh, if we were doing a large room with shading and toning, we would probably have a couple of these ganged together, chained together, but this one does absolutely plenty of air pressure for what we do. If you have a smaller air compressor, uh, compressor it probably won't keep up, so you really want to have something with a lot of horsepower, a lot of volume of air, things like that. I can show you this. I was doing some tests today uh, just to dial in my gun. And you can see this is this top half of this cabinet here. I actually shaded and toned, uh, toned the top half of this here. So that's what you can kind of get. It's just uh, just tacky right now, but I was dialing the fan pattern. You can see the nice, easy fan pattern. And uh, a good test of a fan pattern is I was not going up and down with the grain. I actually was going perpendicular to the grain like this. And it's a really beautiful, even finish on there. So that's what we're going to attempt here. But you can see when I talk about a light stain bump, that's what I'm talking about right there. Going from something like golden oak in one simple, this is basically just one pass like this. You can bump it to a light walnut, give or take. So Nelson Martinez, thanks for the stars. Uh, like I mentioned before, <laughs> these stars, um, eventually they're gonna become monetized and there will be some way for me to monetize them. And my promise to you guys is when we accumulate enough of them, I will do something for you guys. We'll do something interesting, we'll, we'll give it away, we'll somehow, we'll somehow give back to the community with all these stars. So if you're, if you're there now and you wanna send some stars, do it. We'll eventually figure out what to do with them. Uh, like and share the show, I appreciate it. And let's get down to some actual toning and staining. So I'm gonna describe the process first and then I'm gonna start at my air compressor. When the air compressor starts up, it's very likely that you're not gonna be able to hear me because that sucker is a continuous running, high volume sort of thing like that. Now, we have our cup done. And you're gonna see, grab a bag right here, clean off some dust. So you're gonna have, get my rag out of the way. You're gonna have some things to dial in on this thing. So there's a bunch of different tips, seats, and needles on this, depending on the style of gun here. I'm using a 1.7. Uh, this gun came with, I think, a 1, 1.4, 1.7, and 2, give or take. I changed them all out. Two seems a little much. One was good, too. Uh, so I don't know. I just changed out a new one today, tested it out, and it actually worked really well. Um, there is the volume of air. There's the volume of material uh, that comes through. And like I said, I like to go full air, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, um, material coming through here. I typically open the air all the way up, so you want the maximum pressure coming through with the air. And then I close the material, the coating, all the way shut. And then I slowly open it until you can barely see it come out. And then the goal is I just want a light mist. Sometimes you can barely even see it until you give it one of these, a couple back and forth, and then it starts bumping it like there. So, um, <laughs> oh my God, Bob Galensky, best decent human being award goes, dude, thank you very much. That's a nice compliment, man. So, okay, I have this thing adjusted and I'm gonna show you uh, on the paper here how I, how I kind of go through the fan pattern and what I'm looking for. Again, you don't wanna go too much because this stain has a tendency uh, this is all oil-based and solvent-based stain, and it'll stay wet a while. And what you want it to do is stick and cling. If you put it on too much, it'll start sagging, and then you're into the very, you almost have to take a rag of mineral spirits and wipe it all off real quick, because you don't touch this up. You put this on and that's it. There's no going back. Every time you touch up, you actually add to the finish. So no more waiting, folks. Let's rock and roll here. 
All right, I'm gonna put the respirator on. I'm gonna turn the air compressor on. I am going to show you my test fan pattern, and then I'm gonna just start picking away at this stool. Typically what I would do is turn this stool over and do all the undersides and the innards first and then flip it over and do that. But I want you guys to just see some stuff getting toned. So I'm just gonna pick random parts on this stool out in front here so you guys can kind of see the technique, uh, give or take like that. do a couple test fan patterns for you guys and then I'll flip you back over and we'll rock and roll.
control. That's kind of what we're looking for right there. You can see I left one side of this there for you because in a couple quick passes, you can really bump the shade. And typically what I would do is have a sample of, uh, of the wood kind of next to it so I can visually kind of see it, sometimes hung on the wall, sometimes set next to it, where you can start bumping it back and forth here. But you can see in very little time, you can really start moving the finish of these things. And it's, uh, it's really cool to see. So yeah, there's the top right there. Bump that a little bit. Yeah, really dramatic uh, difference in that leg right there. So, all right. My air compressor is winding down like that. Okay, let's see if we got any. <laughs> Parker Johnson, how's it going, man? Good morning, everybody. I appreciate everybody watching this morning. Um, yeah, there's gonna be lots of fun stuff going on in the near future here. We got lots of Sherwin-Williams events. Uh, we got lots of master's classes. Uh, there's the Craftsmanship Forum. It's a PCA group uh, of master craftspeople from all around North America that get together. And of course, we have the expo coming uh, a little bit later on too, I believe in February. And uh, we're kind of circling around New Mexico this year, which would be really cool. So um, I would urge you guys, if any of this stuff that we talk about is interesting to you, the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, is a group of about 11 or 1200 of people just like me. People that run massive businesses, people that are single owner operators, people that are master craftspeople, a senior master craftspeople and have been for four or five decades, and people brand new to the trade too. Big businesses, small businesses, new, old, but the, the through line through it all is they're progressive, they're aggressive, they're servant leaders, and they will give you the shirt off your back. So if this is interesting to you, I would urge you to look them and us up and you're gonna find good company there. And it'd be awesome to have you guys with us. Uh, not only in spirit, but in person at a lot of these events here too. So, all right, everybody, I do appreciate you. This is satisfying to get in the old Slavic shop here this morning and do some high level craft sort of stuff. And uh, I really, really, oh, Aaron Muncy. Hello, Aaron Muncy. Uh, he did a podcast recently with Eric Fosnacht and a uh, great compliment to me. And, and I seriously thank you for the shout out. But Aaron is what, uh, Aaron's the sort of like what this industry needs. He's a very thoughtful guy starting up a business, doing things that I, took me 25 years to figure out. He's doing in year one, which is really cool to see. So, all right, everybody, you guys have an awesome rest of the weekend. Uh, I'm going to hang out with the family. We're probably going to be working on that crazy deer blind again this weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.